podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a view from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomOfTheGiants.com. Today is Tuesday, the 6th of February 2018. My name is a very crooky Patrick Smith. Yes, as you can no doubt hear, I've come back from my uh, from my holiday with a case of Austrian man flu. The struggle is real. People don't let them tell you anything other than that. Um, so it's going to be very difficult for me to get on with the show. However, you, know, you heard from them last week. Those two lads are more than capable to deal with this show. Uh, so Davy and Simon will be along in just a minute with a very special guest. If you want to get in touch with us at AVFTB on Twitter, uh, soundcloud.com forward slash AVFTB for all of our interviews, post gaming and other things. And, uh, yeah, Instagram, the works, but, uh, I'm going back to bed with a lamb sip, and I'll hand you over to the boys. there unfortunately patrick smith has came back from his expensive skiing holiday with a runny nose and he can't take part tonight we've tried everyone we literally couldn't get anybody so we called up the heartbeat of boomerang corner and he said yes it's joel neil joel welcome to view from the bridge wow boys how you doing it's good to be back with you i also have to say it's really nice to be sitting at home tonight in the shadow of the barn and with nothing whatsoever going on, that weekend took a lot out of me. So it's nice to speak to you calmly this evening. How are we doing? We're doing okay. Siz joins us as well, as always. Simon Kitchen, welcome back to View from the Bridge. Good evening, gentlemen. Guys, let's get just cracked straight into it here. Paddy's agenda, first item, Wednesday night, Nottingham, 5-1 on the road. Let's get the game sheet up. Belfast Giants. You know, came out with a period of real domination there. Opened the scoring through David Rutherford. Jim Vandermeer comes up with another one. Um, we come out at the start of second period. Steve Saviano on a great breakaway chance. Panthers clip back into it with a goal from number 23, Mark Delago. Bit of a ricochet off um, Spiro Galakos, who then scores his own goal, which we'll come back to from the whole of a good 185, <laughs> 190 feet. And then towards the end of the game, just a couple of minutes to go in the game. Well, six and a half minutes to go in the game. Sebastian Silvestre with a power play marker to give a final score. Bit lopsided 5-1, but well-deserved. Simon, you've had a chance to look back at the game tape. I was there. Um, your thoughts on a, on a, what was really a stunning performance from the Belfast Giants? It's probably the best 60-minute um, full you know, game that the guys have put together this season. I think we're all, they're all over the moon with it. And, you know, we, we managed to talk to Adam last uh, Tuesday slash Wednesday for the podcast uh, twice. And, um, the, you know, he was basically saying he just wanted to go in there and do a professional job regarding defense event. You know, if he can come out with a one goal, he'd be over the moon. Um, and then we spoke to him, uh, you, you managed to get a chat with him after the match and you know, and you just hear how happy he was after the, uh, the final, uh, final whistle, final horn went off. Dave, I watched it back that night and I thought we were absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, we, we, we controlled the game. Uh, we made, I wouldn't even call their game or their goal a mistake. Um, because you, you're always going to make mistakes in games, and whether you turn the puck over and you get a bit of luck with, uh, you know, Jackson um, pulling off a number of good saves as well. But 
overall, I just thought we were excellent. You know, the guys really did pull together. Um, down a, a body with um, uh, Bremen Conley being out, uh, suspension, and uh, what do you call the other one? Um, was Sebastian suspended for that as well? No, oh, he no, didn't get. He didn't get a suspension. That's right. So you mean you're, you're down a body, and Collins has been great all season for us. So you know to come out there with a four goal lead, coming back to Belfast for this Wednesday night, I think all the guys will be very, very happy. We talked to the coach Joel. Come to you here. We, we talked to the coach last week on the show, and he he did set out what his game plan was going to be and go in there and just build a house in front of Jackson Whistle. Work really hard in her own zone and let our offense, which is more than capable of doing it, just look after itself. We outshot the Panthers in every period. We got power play goals. We were just saw we goals from the from the blue line as well. Just a just a kind of Simon said a nice complete sixty minute performance. Absolutely, that's it. And, and at the risk of dinging myself early on here, we had we displayed that bounce back ability um, after such a such a hammer against the, the Steelers, which was one to forget. Um, I mean, I, I, as much as I would have loved to have seen the full game, and the less said about that, the better. I have watched the highlights and, and I've read the reports. Um, and I mean, as, as you said there, um, Jackson, Jack, the, the goal that, that Jackson conceded was just a little unlucky. It was at an acute angle and. And he was just beaten. Sometimes that happens. But um, in terms of a road game and in terms of a way to uh, draw a line under the, the two defeats that had led up to it, it couldn't have been better. Um, the boys just worked hard from the back. They grinded it out. And also, and you need this uh, to, to do well, especially on the road, a wee bit of puck luck. Uh, and it's good to see it come our way for once. We um, had a couple of seasons ago, three or four seasons ago now, with Robbie Sandrock scoring from sort of the, the hash marks in his own end. <laughs> I think uh, it was uh, Gary Moran or Corey Nielsen, or maybe it was the guy in the paper. I can't remember. Blamed it on the empty seats, which could have been blamed on, again, a very paltry guy. <laughs> uh, 3,000, apparently, according to the game sheet, I would say, being there, it was more like 2,000. But, you know, Spiro Goal Agos scores from 180 feet. He just flips one out of the out of zone in the power play. Just completely foxes. I've seen it a couple of times. It doesn't happen very often. Just completely handcuffed the goalie, and it, it, it pops in the net at the other end, says. Yeah, I mean... He's blaming the seats there, you know, where the goalie's looking right down the ice at the opposite end, of where those seats are always situated where the stage is. Mm-hmm. Good shout, Gary. But, um, <laughs> they, you know, you've, you've got, uh, as I say, it's like, you know, Sparrow basically is just clearing the puck. Um, the goal down there, you know, he, he's got to take the sole blame for that. And yes, you get bouncing pucks in front of you all the time, but he's got to get his body behind that. Again, Joel just touched on it there, a wee bit of potluck, and, and um, you know, you manage to pick up a, the uh, a real big big goal that was the fourth one wasn't it? It was. Um, you know, so <coughs> it's a great time to score. Uh, Short handed, and um, you know, you just want to go in there and, and and he definitely looked as if he enjoyed it, even though he didn't actually know he went into the net until you know the, the referee turned around to see who the the number in his shirt was. He took a shot, but yeah, like the four goal lead going into this weekend, the, the Panthers are capable of scoring four goals against us, absolutely. Um, and it's going to be a big game on Wednesday night, which I'm looking forward to. We'll get it on Giants TV, and we've got a, a, a big commentator coming in to give us a hand. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's Davey, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, he, I remember. You know, so it, it, I think it's fantastic. You know, the guys absolutely deserved it after the previous game against the Sheffield Steelers when, let's be honest, it was just a real, real horrendous performance. So a brilliant reaction. We talked about it last week in the podcast. And, uh, you know, just a, a great job by the guys going into Nottingham last week. Just to close this out, Joel, um, uh, Paddy's done an agenda for us here and, and the question regarding around Wednesday night, four-goal lead going into the second leg on Wednesday. Is it all yeah. done? 
no, absolutely not. And I think Sis just said there, um, it can be as much of a blessing as it is a curse. And, and I, I actually, I threw it up on Twitter today whenever I realized, but you're looking at six home games in the next two weeks, something in the space of, of about, was it 10 or 11 days? Um, complacency is an issue there. And, and, and as you said, the Panthers can very easily come into our barn and do that to us. We've seen it happen before. So as long as the boys keep the heads down and as long as that first leg was, was uh, we move on from it and, and it's gone and it has no bearing on the second leg, then I think we'll do just fine. Um, if the team that I watched at the weekend come out on Wednesday again, and if they, if they have the legs for it, um, which isn't easy with the number of fixtures we're playing, then I think we'll be okay. But by no means is it over. So let's move on, guys, to um, Friday and Saturday night for the Devils. Bit of a mixed bag. Three points three points each, two overtime wins each. Overtime win for us on the, on the Friday night. Overtime loss for us on the Saturday night. Two really hard-fought games. But, you know, if we just quickly, as Paddy likes to do, we'll run down the game sheets here. The um, the Friday night game, goals from two from David Rutherford, one from Sebastian Sebastian, and obviously the shootout marker from Darcy Murphy to win it for us. And for the Cardiff Devils, number 47, Jake Marset. Can you do this off the top of your head, says number 23? Aslan. That's number 23, yeah. Very good. Number 17, Mark Richardson with Mark the Richardson. other one. And uh, on to the Saturday night then, a bit of a different result, but... Two goals from Lian Ulmer for them, and uh, number eighty-eight Joey Martin with a fantastic, you know, baseball swing for the the final one. And for ourselves, the goon himself, Golagos, coming up with another <laughs> one, and uh, Blair Riley marker on the power play. Um, a weekend which I, I kind of, I'm genuinely not saying this with teal tinted specs on. I, I felt we did enough over the both games, especially the Saturday night. I felt we did enough to win the Saturday night game, but uh, you know, we, um. You know, errors, a few penalties, a few errors from from the uh, referees on Saturday night that we'll go on to. But Simon, um, two really hard fought games. Yeah, I mean the Friday night game was just one of the best games I've seen at the SSA in a long, long time. Uh, you know, both teams, the, the Devils are are a good team. They've got some really good players. They 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 basically run four lines for uh, you know for at least thirty five minutes, and and uh, you know you could see that. Just uh, we actually a bit of rest at the likes of the top line of Joy Martin and uh, Haddad and um, Morris said at one point, you know, you could just see that they had a wee bit of a, a more of a, a jump in their step. We took too many penalties uh, on Friday night, you know, just thought but you're left to do too much. You know, guys are, are killing penalties from so Martinelli, Gulakos. They can't be as effective because they're playing so many minutes. But, you know, overall, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you, David, with regards to the weekend. Yes, I think we're unlucky not to get the four points, but I actually think we deserved the win more on Saturday than what we did on Friday. Okay. Um, I thought the Devils come out on Friday and they really did put us under pressure. Jackson was outstanding on Friday night. There was a number of wonder saves that he pulled off, and and obviously we'll get the chance to talk to him later. But the you know the whole weekend itself is for for a spectacle of British hockey. If you were a neutral watching that. You, I'd have happily paid 15, 16 quid, whatever it is, for a ticket to get in the arena. Absolutely happily. <laughs> it was fantastic. And, you know, coming out, we'll, we'll talk about the referee's decisions, I'm sure, in just a few minutes regarding Friday night. Um, Tom Darnell had an absolute mare, but, um, you know, it's, he's human. So it's, uh, it's certainly, it, it, mistakes do happen. But, you know, overall, again, you know, if we had just pinched a point away from an extra point away from them, uh, I'd have been happier, but three points. You can't be disappointed. We're the only thing we're we're less better off with the games uh, coming off the rest of the season is we're two less to try and claw back. So um, you know, having the 
the uh, the three points from the weekend and not losing any uh, ground on them, I think it's a, a fair enough result. Joel, I spoke to your wee buddy David Rutherford after the uh, the, 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 the Panthers game last. Um, if I look at your Twitter, I think he might live with you. But um, um, <laughs> close spoke, enough. Spoke spoke to him after the Panthers game last week, man of the match, and he, he was saying that he's sat and he'd gone over video stuff with with um, the head coach Adam Keefe and just tweaked a few things in his game that he wasn't happy with. He's came up with four goals in three games. He um, and a couple of real highlight real moves. Yeah, and actually, it's something I scribbled earlier, and uh, not to not to carry on the rumors of my David Rutherford fan club, but um, f- for someone who came back in, kind of uh, had had been away from the game for a little while, and, and wasn't sure what he what he was doing to come back in the way he has, it's been honestly just a, a joy to watch, and, and I would say it even even if I wasn't uh, the head of his fan club, um, he's I think as a person, uh, he's come back. I think a, a noticeable different guy. Um, he seems much more settled in his character. He seems much more content. Um, his, his discipline's far better. I mean, he's, he's standing uh, with his back against the crossbar, getting his face washed, doing absolutely nothing last week. Uh, and that was, to me, just indicative of how he's come back, the determination. Um, he's almost playing with a point to prove this year um, after probably not having been on a, a, a line that he would have been entirely happy with last year and not getting the opportunities that he wanted last year. He's back this year just with, with clinically fast hands and feet. And, and what is he, a point per game, even since his, his original arrival in Belfast, Um to, to work any 10 day the way he did over the weekend would have been impressive, but to dangle Ben Bounds the way he did twice over the weekend was just something else for me. Um, so not too shabby. Simon, I'm going to give you first 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 whack at this one. Um, like the hit on Colin Shields from behind. Let's discuss that. Let's discuss um, Tom Darnell, Dean Smith, and the refereeing. You know, I, I don't like to get on the refs too much, but I might have a wee go tonight. But... Um, you know, the referee performance over the course of the weekend. Um, we'll, do, we'll do the incident regarding uh, Sheds first. Okay. I, 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 if you listen back to the commentary, it was right down in front of us. It was absolutely horrendous. I've seen the elbow coming up even before it made contact with Colin Shields' head, and I could not believe there's no suspension in that. I mean, there's the, the only difference in that and Brendan Connolly on – was Nicole Shooter last week? Yep. The only difference in that is is Matt Pope is about four or five inches taller than than Brendan Connolly, so Collins left his feet to throw the elbow in, and he was punished absolutely rightly. He sat his two game suspension, turned back on Saturday night, but I couldn't believe that Dobbs did not suspend. I think that's one of their mistakes that since they've come back and uh, and I'm not again, you know, yes, we'll get called for being biased, and yes, we'll get called with teal colored specs. I really couldn't give a toss. Absolutely, 100%. Proud to be a Belfast Chance supporter. And I call the games exactly the way I see them every single time. And for me, that was a suspension. I s- the- sorry. Sorry, sorry. Just so I can bring Joel in on the same subject. I, I spoke to an official about that. Just It was either last night or this morning. And he felt that principal point of contact, or certainly first point of contact, was was shoulders before before head. But for me, it's then it's a checking from behind. It's, it's a, he, can, he can pull up there. You can take a little bit of that head. It comes in at full speed. It is terrible. At slow down speed, it's awful. 
Um, so, uh, Joel, your thoughts on? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, uh, where, where we are in the arena, I didn't get a great look at it. Um, it was actually only in the highlights after um, our, our kind of hard camera is, is looking down and to the left. So it was it was a perfect angle to, to kind of see the point of contact. Um, and as you say, even if it had been, it would have been checking from behind. But to me, the principal point of contact is almost forearm. It's it's that low. Um, if I had seen that on any highlights package, and it's easy for me to say sitting on a Belfast Giants podcast, but if I had seen that on any highlights package, Package, it would have been a clear-cut suspension for me and, and uh, there was no ambiguity even uh, in, in it being in a crowd and it being in a huddle it was it was as clear-cut as I have seen this season and uh, Simon and we, we go on to little things like uh, the the Mars penalty the coincidental penalties where the Giants have effectively lost out almost a minute of, of penalty or power play there and, and then obviously Tom Darnellas came out and, and, and said worst call he's ever made the Gulak us overtime winner yeah, I mean, he's made a brain fart with regards to the incident for um, Myers and, you know, how they, 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 I I didn't talk to him after the game. I have no idea what was going through his head uh, with regards to, you know, letting him out of the penalty box. I have absolutely no idea, but, you know, it was the wrong decision. Uh, Adam, you know, you could see Adam remonstrating with him from the bench and, and you know, Maybe a couple of months ago, Adam possibly would have got a a, uh, a boost of official call for that, and and maybe you know because of the conversations that they're having with Dobbs and trying to uh, you know liaise regularly with the coaches, and uh, again it, it, we we weren't privy to that conversation because we're uh, up in the the media box. But for me, that that that's just that's amateur um, beer league type behaviour from uh, that decision with regards to. The incident uh, for Spiro Galagos' goal being ruled off. Look, again, we don't want to go into it too much. I, I give him stacks at the weekend with regards to uh, the way that, that was made and that call and, and saying John Furlan was in the blue paint. Let me tell you something. He couldn't have been anywhere near the blue paint. Have you seen the size of Ben Bounds? If you look at the photograph that we have done from you know William Cherry's uh, overhead camera, there's no room in the body circle. There's none whatsoever. You know, he was nowhere near. He was at least a foot outside um, from from where the the, uh, the line, the top of the line, comes across the crease. So, really, really bad decision. Thankfully, it didn't technically matter because we had to go down the line of doing the penalty shots and and come out the other end with the extra point. If it had went the other way, then we're we're having a completely different conversation. Um, but again, you know, mistakes happen. Yes. Um, I, I think he did the right thing and come out and admitted he was wrong. Um, and fair play to him for that because you know it's. I think he's probably one of only two referees in the league that would do that. Joel, before we um, we move on and we'll continue to talk about this Darnell incident, um, one of my pet projects, the the goal line technology stroke video replays, the the magnitude of that goal that could have you know could, if if that had a Cardiff Devils goal and win the penalty shootout. That puts a whole different slant on the weekend and puts you under massive pressure going into the Saturday night game to try and choke something out of that and we end up coming, you know, we could effect, effectively ended up with a one point weekend there instead of the three. Um, goal line technology doesn't allow for a referee to go and check what he believed was a player in the blue paint and, uh, you know, it's, it's literally does the puck cross the line. And is there an argument like that all games, not just games of high magnitude like this, that all games should have the opportunity for a referee to say, you know what, I need to have another quick look at that. The technology's there, the video pictures are there, if he should want them. Sheffield are quite good about getting them up on the big screen. 
we can have that down on a screen at the penalty box within seconds. Is there something to be said for, you know, this is the top professional league in the country. Let's make sure we're getting the big calls right. Absolutely, 100% yes. And, and as you say, it's, it's, it's not only, it's, it's a bugbear this year. Um, the Elite League is at a stage in 2018. Uh, and I mean, I, I, compared to you boys a bit long in the tooth, I'm a, a fairly uh, recent newcomer. I've been around since about 2010. And the strides that the league and the individual clubs have made since then, uh, in terms of their game night package, in terms of their coverage of games and, and submitting footage, it's all there. Um, we're not... Uh, let's be realistic. We're not soccer football uh, uh, here. We're uh, a modern sport that has all the trappings of, of American sport. Um, there's no uh, passionate traditional argument for not having video review, um, as, as you're sort of seeing in the Premier League at the minute. If it's there, why are we not using it? And, and as, as Sis says, thank goodness that the, the, the penalties um, coughed up a bit of justice for us because it would have been an entirely different story. Um, maybe just, if you don't mind, just a general po- a point on Tom Darnell um, and just the, the recent kind of referee and displays he's had whenever he's had the Giants. Um, I, I'm not making mild with my views usually. Um, it's, it's not really my style, but um, some of the takes I've seen online, uh, and I understand it's passionate and, and it's uh, it's a bit of a, a pressure cooker environment at times but Tom Darnell isn't out to get the Giants you know he, he's no agenda and um, his pedigree's been proven it's been proven in the fact that you're even saying there you know he's one of the few referees that would take the Twitter and explain calls and even go to the chapter and verse of the rule book to explain why he made those calls I mean the, the, he's, he's a human uh, I guess that's my point he's a guy that works a busy career he travels back and forward a lot he publicly stated, obviously, he had a bit of ill health in the past year. Um, there's any number of reasons for him to be having a bit of a rough season. Um, players hit the skids just the way referees can hit the skids. And, and just to simplify it as Darnell hates Belfast is just a bit naive in, in my view. Um, but obviously, we're sitting here with a, a huge vested interest in the outcome of this club this year. So I understand that there's going to be passion and whatever else. But um, I don't think you can simplify it like maybe some have. David, then, can I just jump in there? Sorry, yeah, what yeah. Do you think? I'd like to, you know, there was an incident on Saturday night when Tom was taken off the ice um, due to an injury. I didn't see what happened to him with regards to the lead-up and the injury and why he ended up going off. And the amount of booze that read around the arena, whether they were coming from Cardiff or Belfast Giants fans, was absolutely disgusting. Here, here. I don't care what team you support. Um, you know, without you, you've, you keep on saying they're part of the furniture. Without these guys... There's no game. And, well, I, I, it's the same. That same night, Dave Laurie was looking after the Sheffield game because, you know, Infinity 21 do that. And, you know, they basically put the platform together for um, a number of uh, websites or webcasts around the league. And he was looking after the Sheffield game. And while we were doing the game um, on Saturday night against Cardiff, there was an incident and a big hit uh, on uh, Francilla uh, of Sheffield Stadium. He had to be helped off the ice. Um, and he showed me that as well at the same time. This is no different of a player being injured. If, if I see a player go down, face down on the ice, or in Tom Darnell's uh, quest with regards to him, you know, he, he was in a bad way when he was taken or when he went off the ice. He really wasn't in a comfortable position, and that is absolutely bang out of order. Now, yes, it might be new fans coming in and, and not overly happy with the calls that are, are going your way or not going your way. I don't care. They need to be, they need to be educated. Because that's not the way hockey fans should be behaving. Absolutely not. Hope Tom's okay. Yes, he came back to finish the game. Again, if I, I'm sitting watching the Chelsea and Watford game here at the same time, that referee here gets hit with a, you know, a feller lands on his head. He's gone off for six months. 
these guys in the, in the, in the elite league, they're tough, you know, they're tough guys. And uh, with regards to, you know, uh, the, the service to put together and everything for uh, coming out on the ice and, and getting hit by pucks and, and guys bumping into him. I mean, there was, Dean Smith got absolutely nailed behind the net. Before, <laughs> he did, he did. Now, that, was, that was quite humorous. I'll take that into consideration. I'm glad Dino wasn't hurt. Um, but that was quite humorous. You know, too, a Cardiff Devils player and a giant absolutely nailed him. Uh, it was probably one of the best hits all weekend. But <laughs> these guys need a pat on the back whenever, you know, when something like that happens, they need looked after. And obviously the Belfast Giants medical team, you know, did a great job to get Tom back on the ice. But bang out of order. I think that uh, both players could probably have avoided the hit on Dean Smith, but <laughs> chose not to. But as you say, I'm, I'm glad they don't come out of the bottom of that pile, okay? And, and as you say, Simon, we tweeted out about it the other night. We don't, you know, you boo the referee at the end of the game if you think he's had a howler, fair enough. Injuries, uh-uh. You've got to support these guys. Different story all complete. You're absolutely right. But we'll quickly look at the second game between ourselves and the Devils. And the Devils really needed to come out and take something from a little bit more from the weekend. But, you know, you look at it, we've hit the bar, we've hit the post. Colin Shades has whipped one off the end of um, Ben Bounds' helmet, you know, with, with an inch away from putting that in the net. And, and it's a completely different weekend. You know, for me, I thought Saturday night, pretty good performance from the Belfast Giants. Yeah, agreed. I thought I honestly thought we deserved to win the game more on Saturday than what we did on Friday. I thought Cardiff, to be honest, if Cardiff had a sneak to win on Friday night, I don't think I'd have had a problem with it. Yes, I'd be disappointed, but I thought they played better than us on Friday night. Uh, but when you can grind out a win, when you're not playing your best, fair play to us. So I thought we did really well to come back into it. Obviously, really disappointed that goal didn't stand because I probably could have gotten our T-shirt out of it. Um, but uh, <laughs> Spiro took that goal really well. Um, and a big celebration from from me on the comms and him. You know, he really did... Uh, enjoy that goal, but disappointed that didn't stand, but great job for his roommate to come up and, and score the winner, but on top of that, how good was Jackson in the penalty shootout? You know, the, 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 he was absolutely immense. And, and Joel, obviously you get to watch the game and, and on Friday and Saturday night, the, the, the Red Army, they travel the numbers, but you've got your own little teal army up there in Boomerang Corner. <laughs> must, have been a, must have been a nice weekend. I'm sure your horse come uh, Saturday night. Yeah, uh, Sunday didn't exist this week. Sunday was just a, a blur that that matched Saturday to Monday. Um, but but it, like honestly, it says uh, says it kind of at the top of the show there. Um, as a neutral, if you were to watch that entire weekend, uh, it's some of the best hockey that you'll see in the UK. But honestly, for somebody with a deeply vested interest, it was absolute torture. <laughs> I uh, I didn't enjoy much of Friday night, I have to say. Um, but but yeah, as as you guys say, Saturday I think we were a different team. Um, I, I just think that little edge was there, and I, I wasn't panicking just as much. Uh, first period, a total war of attrition. I mean, both netminders, both netminders all weekend just in the shop window. I mean, the future of Great Britain netminding is safe, unbelievable. Um, and as you say, with all the way through to the end, um, the, the Saturday night was was a defensive game. Um, for me, the Giants seemed to struggle whenever the feet slowed down, um, and that's especially on the power play. Um, our, our power play stalls up and, and we, we find ourselves uh, conceding turnovers, whatever else. Um, same on the PK uh, if the guys aren't moving. But I understand it's it's two long, brutal games of hockey and, and you're going to flag at some point. Um, all in all, I can't argue. Um, the, a three-point split over the weekend is deserving of two teams who are both in for silverware this year. Um, unfortunately, and, and not to get too far off topic, uh, you may look back uh, down the road and realise that a bit of the damage was actually done last 
weekend on the road. Um, I, I can't argue with the way either of those games evened out after all was said and done. And obviously highlights are available from Belfast Giants TV if you weren't at the game or you just want to relive some of the magic. And uh, we move on. But just before we move on to talk to Adam Keefe, who, who joined Simon down at training, or Simon joined him at training, whichever way you want to look at it, let's have a wee quick chat with the king of Boomerang Corner because whenever you know we very seldom get to talk about this <laughs> how much of a difference Joel like this this idea was hatched I don't know what, four or five years ago now maybe how much different do you think your Belfast Giants watching would be if Boomerang Corner just hadn't came along well first of all um, the, the king of the Boomerang Corner thing I, I always smile and laugh but it is very much a community effort um, I, I may be the idiot that steps forward sometimes or maybe the one that's most recognisable um, thanks to my my good friends, the monks down in Devonshire and their fantastic wine. But um, it really is a community effort. And, and to me, and, and again, I will put my rose-tinted glasses on here because it's something that the regulars up there are so passionate about. Um, to me, it's overhauled the game night experience. Um, I, I came along to the Giants when I moved to Belfast in 2010, and I used to sit beside my brother Josh and say, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could get just a wee bit of that kind of uh, Irish league atmosphere that we watched, I grew up watching or, or being in the middle of it, if we could kind of bring that into this environment. Obviously not in the same way, it's it's not football, um, but if we could have something like some of the European teams have, and, and I know you guys are uh, uh, European fans and, and Paddy's a, a huge fan of Berlin and, and there were kind of origins of the corner way back when, before my time, but um, to me it's something that was, was very sorely needed and it's something that we pour a lot of passion into. Um, I'm really keen that it's not seen as as uh, some sort of elite or someone being better than others. It's a it's a community effort for the community, and anyone, absolutely anyone, is welcome to come up and join us and and, and sing and shout and do their bit. But um, credit goes to you guys for sparking the original idea um, with Brucey, and and I know Big Gav was was part of the of, of kind of getting it going in the early days. So we're only too happy to, to kind of take up the mantle and, and and try and make a bit of atmosphere and, and change the way things are in game night. I, I'm sure you're actually aware, um, Joel, of just how much the players are starting to really buy into the whole boomerang corner from just giving you a nod when they're going past. Or, you know, every week on the webcast, whoever the guest interviewer is, is talking about it and how much the guys talk about it in the locker room and just how much of a buzz it gives them. And with Jackson Whistle on, we'll have him on later in the show, but we had him, we spoke to him earlier and he's just talking about his own song and how he'll be sitting in his cage singing along and, you know, <laughs> Spiro on the bench there will be singing along to his songs. It's it's definitely not for personal plaudits, and that's the thing that I keep having to come back to. You know, it's a buzz to see the boys kind of feeding off it and whatever else. But um, if if it came a time when when it was us that stepped back from kind of getting things going and being in the middle of it, I would like to think that it's that it's a thing now that there are enough people who can claim ownership of it, would feel comfortable and happy uh, with stepping forward and making a bit of noise. And um, to me, that's awesome. I, 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 the, the vision, I guess, whenever we we poured our time into trying to get things going, was to make it a community thing that nobody owns. It's a block of seats at the end of the day. It's not a, a number of people. There may be regular faces, but um, I, I just for it to be a tool that is established in the arena that anyone feels like they can contribute to. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's the one thing I'll probably allow myself, you know, if we're standing at the end of a game and you're standing horse covered in sweat, whatever else, to see Wes or whatever else uh, point up and, and clap. That's really cool. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's for the greater good of the barn. And, and as long as people kind of get a buzz off it and as long as it's good crack, then, then we're going to keep doing it. And the says, one thing, sorry, just, David, like, just to answer before you, I'm going to ask you a question, Simon, before you go on to speak about Boomerang Corner there. Obviously, you'd probably know better than any of us, Big Sturdy Boone, whose name has, has stuck there. And, uh, you know, Colette, his, his wife, and we're fortunate that 
there's people that have came and been giants. Big Barry will raise a drink to him every playoff weekend, but brilliant that you know the name lives on. Yeah. That's that. That's the thing. Just before you carry on, says sorry, and and, and obviously I, because I am a fairly more recent blow in, I didn't have the pleasure of personally knowing Sturpin that well. And um, Colette is, is a good friend of ours now since we got things going. But it's really lovely um, to have something that stands not just in his name, but as something that everyone can look to to keep the kind of spirit of those who have been with us before and have sadly moved along keeps the spirit alive. And, and, and you know there there are so many without naming names, and, and I hope that it is maybe a source of comfort to, to people, and um, without sounding too self important. Yeah, big Stuarty Boone was a character, all right. You know, I've known him for nearly, uh, oh God, it's probably twenty five years. You know, he's he's uh, driving his Zamboni at the ice bowl, and and uh, you know, even when we were playing on the Castlereagh nights, he was, you know, he was he would never normally the Zamboni driver would go in and work in the bowling centre in between, um, in between the periods, in between games and stuff. No, not Stuarty. He'd be standing watching the hockey, um, you know, and and uh, you know, many a time he's told me to smash somebody's face in, which. I did listen to him <laughs> on many occasions for it. Somebody might have annoyed him during the week and, and one of the end home league games and he says he does a favor says we smack him for it. <laughs> you know, it's uh you, you couldn't you couldn't have met a nicer guy, you know. Uh, his wife was just fantastic and, and Stuart, you know, loved the Tully Carrot and then just up a road from the ice bowl. Never missed a game at the SSE Arena or the Odyssey. Um and uh, it's it's just fantastic that they, they've uh, carried on the, the good name of Boomerang. So it's. I think he's doing a great job. The one thing I don't like about it, uh, if I'm being honest, is you know I'm coming home in the car. Um, I'm trying to you know listen to maybe a bit of uh, talk sport from from um, you know the football that's happened during the day. And Jasmine bursts into song for <laughs> and you're sitting good, Jasmine. You shut up, love. And she's going, no, God, I can't. I can't move on tonight. And she starts in the Spiro song and she starts in the Jackson. Oh God. I'm 30 years old and I'm sitting doing it in my office on a Monday morning, so don't worry. She's, she's so far from alone there. Nick, well, she loves it. Like she thinks it's great. Let, let's get Simon back down to SSA here, and Simon was able to catch up with Adam Keith. Adam, uh, a weekend split points with the Cardiff Devils, two real battles. Um, what was your thought process on the on the outcome? Obviously not exactly what we wanted or what we envisioned going into the weekend. Uh, but when you take a step back from it and look at it, uh, obviously two great hockey games, two great teams. And, uh, you know, what? Uh, the one positive we're coming out of it is we're no worse off than we were going into the weekend. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay ready and we'll, we'll kind of worry about ourselves and, and take care of uh, what we can control and, and make sure that uh, if Cardiff slips up, that we're at the heels and, and make sure that those games uh, that we meet up with them, make sure they mean something. So I think, uh, you know, like I said, I said before, you know, the ball's in, in Cardiff's court right now. And, uh, you know, if they can win the next 17 in a row, all the power to them and uh, they deserve the Elite League. And if they don't and they slip up here and there, uh, we'll be there. We want to be there waiting uh, waiting at their heels and, and ready to pounce. Uh, so... You know, we we got to focus on ourselves here, and and first and foremost, we got to focus on Nottingham uh, tomorrow night in Challenge Cup and, and, and finish that off the right way. Yeah, the Panthers come in tomorrow night, a five-one uh, lead going into the game itself. Does that change your mindset? In which way you want to play the game, uh, or is it just exactly what the the plan was in place at the start of the the two-game series? Well, it's a nice cushion for sure, uh, but we don't want to think about it too much. No, you know. You always look at games where teams get up four or five nothing in the, in, early in the game, and 
it usually ends 4-5-1, 5-2. Why? Because teams change the way they play and they sit back and they wait. And That's not the way. We, we want to keep coming at them. We want to keep going. We want to play the way we would as if it was 0-0. And that's the way we'll be approaching the game. Uh, obviously, we're, we're aware that we have a lead, but uh, we want to play the right way and, and, and play defensively. Uh, sound and, and shut them down and, and really take away their uh, their will to to come back. But uh, I'll tell you what, I know that Nottingham Panthers are going to come at us with full force and and uh, we're going to have to be prepared and we're going to have to be ready for, for that uh, pace to start the game because they're going to come real hard. They came real hard in the last two league games in our building, so we know that they're coming. Uh, we got to be ready and we got we to gotta match their effort and match their uh, their pace to start the game. The weekend uh, ahead, Fife on Friday, Manchester on Sunday, another two home games, and then again, a part of a long homestand. Uh, two big games coming up. Yeah, I mean, if you look past that game, obviously, on Wednesday, uh, yeah, Fife coming in on Friday, Fife's right in the mix as well for the Elite League, and, and so is Manchester. You know, Manchester's creeping up there again as well. So, uh, two teams that are hungry and, and right there, and and, and at the very least, you want to play for for league placement as well. So it's uh, it's a tight league. From I mean, every game's massive. So there, there's no time to let your let your hair down and and have a uh, an easy night. It's not going to happen this year. So uh, you got to come, and we got to like I said, we'll focus on Wednesday and make sure we get the job done on Wednesday, and then we'll have a rest on Thursday, and then refocus on Friday for Fife, and then. You know that's the way we got to approach it, one game at a time, and make sure that we're not looking too far ahead of the schedule. Just take control of what we can control, and and that's all we can ask. And as always, thanks to Keith for for, for fronting up there. You, you put a microphone under him, and says you always get a good chat out of him. And sometimes you have to shut him up. Um, you know, he's in, when he when he wins, even when he actually in fairness, when he when he loses as well, he's always uh, you know he's the first guy in the, the room to to have a chat with us. So you know he's he's. You know what you're going to get with him. You'll get absolute 100% honesty. Um, and I know he's looking forward to a big game tomorrow night. And and you know he's talked about it before uh, today and talked about it uh, you know earlier in the season that you know he wants to be in these finals. He never he never got a chance to win the Challenge Cup as a player, um, and he wants to win it as a coach. Um, you know I, I I just think the guy's absolutely amazing, a real real top lad. And uh, you know we couldn't thank him enough for for the time he puts in and gives us for. All the interviews, nothing's ever too much for him, Davey. Um, you know, phone them in and ask them to kind of come down and have a chat with you. Yep, no problem. No, where do you want to meet me? Um, no issues at all. Let's have a wee quick look. Player of the month, obviously, last Wednesday night's game in Pantherland. Uh, finished January off. And my goodness, it was hard to put a short list together this month. But this month's four players that are vying for the Funakab Player of the Month trophy, the, mo- the much coveted around the league trophy. Um, Jackson Whistle, number one, Jackson Whistle, number six, Spiro Galakos, Brandon Benedict, number 26, and 15, Darcy Murphy. And the 750 votes cast in, in the first few hours of the voting there. And Joel, for you, out of those four, who would you throw your hat on? You know, I, I'm sitting with Twitter in front of me right now and I still haven't cast my vote for the month. Um, it's a tough one, boys. I, I I think if I'm going with my heart, it has to be Wiss. Um, we, we, we saw sparks of what Jackson was capable of last season and, and we sort of wistfully said, you know, imagine him full full health and imagine him kind of getting a good run at starting games. And, and to me, that's coming to fruition now. Um, I, I, I can 
the natural talent and natural reflex there that, that I find to be quite rare in our league at times. Um, he's a reader of the game. He has natural ability. And, and to me, he's come back this season especially in phenomenal shape and is starting to pay off. I think it's with for me. Simon? I voted for Spiro. Um, I, I do agree. I think Wes has had a brilliant January. You know, he's there certainly come up with some big saves in the key moments. But I just think the way Spiro has been vilified for by Sheffield Steelers fans and, and a couple of other groups around the league um, and for him to come back in after the suspension he had at the end of November. Um, and, you know, I think January for, for Spiro has been outstanding. Uh, you know, he, he, for me, he's one of the top defensemen in the league. Um, you know, definitely in the top two. You know, Hotham, we've seen, we've seen the quality of Hotham at the weekend. We're very lucky we've got uh, Spiro, um, Jim Vandermeer, who I just think he is a different gravy. You know, if Jimbo's on his game, there's there's nobody better in the league from a, from a defensive point of view, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I, I think Spiro absolutely deserves the, the, uh, my, sorry, the, the player of the month for this month. I would find that I'm a bit like Joel. I haven't cast my vote yet because I find it so difficult to um, to throw an X beside any one of them. And, and it could have been another maybe four or five players as well. Simon, you talk about Vandy there, had an absolutely exceptional month. And, you know, I, I find it very hard to look past Spiro. You know, I, I I could have a bromance with this guy. I think he's an absolutely fantastic <laughs> hockey, hockey player. But some of the goals that he's came up especially with the adversity that he's and the abuse, if you want to call it that, from 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 clubs as well as fans, from you know, from organizations uh, and some of the stuff they are putting out about him. Fake news all the time. But he's came <laughs> up with, he's came up with goals and he's came up with big goals and he's came up with dangles that has big nicker who will go on to would say if you've got no angle dangle, you know, and he's done that in there and came up with some unbelievable helpers, as well as blocking shots for fun, as well as really up in his hit count over the month as well. Jackson's been superb, Brandon Benedict with those four goals and four nights as well playing from the back end and, and just doing whatever is required of the coach. And I think you said last week, says, you know, if he was asked to strap a pads on, he'd be the first one to say, I go ahead. And Darcy Murphy's just been, been blinding this month. So if I have to really put an extra side, I think I'm going to have to go for Spiro Galakos. But all guys, there's there's one day, 14 hours left in the vote. We'll get it retweeted up there tonight. Tell your friends to get their vote in. We've got a very special guest going to... Um, deliver the uh, trophy to the bench and, and hand it over to the recipient on Wednesday night. We'll more about him um, on our Twitter after he does that. But um, and, uh, look, we'll, 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 we'll touch on that now. Every month, Joel, we're very fortunate that we're able to get a young guy or girl who's maybe got a little bit of, of, of trouble going on in their lives and they help us out with the presenting the trophy, the Tom Simmons, you know, Blake's, Ethan, all these guys, you know them all and you've had a bit of, of involvement with Ethan yourself. You know, we're very fortunate with a view from the bridge. It's give us a platform to do that and get involved in these kids' lives. And I suppose to a certain extent, though, you don't like the plaudits. The, the boomerang corner thing has given you a bit of a profile to get involved with these kids as well. And it's something that money can't buy the feeling of being with these children. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and again, I sound like a stock record, but it's not for personal plot and it's not to be seen much as the same as, as yourselves. It's not to be seen as the good guy or the white knight or whatever. It's just that if you find yourself in a position where you can make something happen that's really cool for somebody who's maybe having a hard time, who goes through more than I will in my adult life, let's be honest. If you have a, a, a way to do that, uh, why wouldn't you, essentially? And uh, and it's why um, you can rattle off all the cliches uh, that, that you want, but this club is more than a club to me and, and it defy any 
anyone to tell me any different. Um, what it does for every individual that walks through that door is as diverse and as different as the individuals themselves. Um, you, so many articles have simplified our club as, as you know, the, the, the entity that brought the community together in, in the post-Troubles years, blah, blah, blah. It is so, so much more than that. And, and you see it day in and day out with, with you guys' work and, and with the space that we've kind of created for, for those guys to, to come up and just have some fun and forget about their problems for a wee while. Um, long may it last. I got told off last week. Well, I've actually got told off on, on paper by the uh, the director general for skipping around the league because it, it's not <laughs> me and it. But let's have a look around the league as instructed <laughs> by by Patty Smith this week, and let's let's go back to a former Belfast Giant and, and Big Matt Nickerson, who unfortunately has taken a twenty game suspension, um, six for the initial on ice stuff, fourteen for the what you'd call the off ice stuff, and it effectively, well, it has its end of the season, and and obviously since then, Milton Keynes have released him, and Simon, um, you know, as I put on Twitter, you can support the guy without supporting the action, you know, I think uh, Matt himself would be honest enough to say what's happened there has been, he's, he's probably let himself down. Yeah, look, it's a rush of blood to the head, I'm not yeah. going to stand here and, and um, give him dogs abuse because he's a mate of mine, and and uh, if anybody else wants to stand up and give them dogs, you'd be so I'd quite happily stand in front of you. But um, like, it's a it's a bad incident. Um, he certainly, uh, you know, he's going to miss the game. You know, he's he's more or less done for the season. And and uh, but for me, Davey, there was a there was an incident last year with uh, Eric Nielsen from Manchester Storm when he got in an altercation with a fan behind the bench. And Fife were told to put plexiglass up when they might as well just put a couple of glasses up and put them on top of it. You know, there's no big difference there at all. <coughs> How that fan gets that close to Matt is absolutely ridiculous. And it's about time that owners of teams, owners of arenas stood up and noticed that what would have happened if that guy came out with a knife? What would have happened? It's a completely different situation. You just don't know. Nowadays, there's people walking about with pen knives. I mean, I, I don't know how many people in Belarus. There was something on the news a few weeks ago about the amount of weapons have been found and people walking about Belfast. It's, it's sickening, absolutely sickening. And if that guy had to pull something out of his pocket and attack Matt, or even just come down off the stairs and attack Matt, it's absolutely wrong. I'm not standing here and saying what Matt did was right. It's not. But there has to be something... There has to be some sort of penalty. There has to be accountability put up for anybody or any team or any arena that is not supporting the players. You're putting these players, and let's be honest, you know, it could possibly stop players coming to the UK because there there could be in danger. It's absolutely sickening that these fans of getting the chance to get that close to players when he's coming off the ice. Ridiculous. As I said, I'm a starting piece there, Joel. You know, we can support the guy without necessarily supporting the action. But Simon's also right there that, you know, Guildford need to get their house in order there. And, and other teams around the league as well. You know, Fife and Coventry, you can get very, very close access. And just off the top of my head, there's there's a few examples. You know, maybe slightly exaggerating the point to say, you know, there's the danger of knives, but you never know what people are going to do. And and just it's one thing. You, they've, they've got to shut this down. And, and Matt has obviously been made an example of because Dops last year took a different view on the Nielsen thing. But, you know, we're super Dops now. So it's an unfortunate incident all around. And, and 
you know, what's your sort of take on it? Well, yeah, I mean, to, to lay my cards out on the table as well, and to just to yeah, echo what, what says says, um, Big Nicker was was a pal of mine. We we ended up being neighbours. He lived in the same same building as me. So um, myself and my wife saw him saw him about him and his wife uh, saw them about quite regularly. And and uh, as I said during the week, I can only speak to the character that I knew. Um, a, a really solid, good dude with a good heart. Um, uh, I, I think that the the underlying thing here for me before I get on to just the the, the venues and then the minimum standards acceptable. The underlying thing for me um, is is that you are in an environment where players are trained to be violent. These guys can't play a game with a calm head. It's not physically possible to play hockey at this level with a calm, collected head. You're in a pressure cooker environment, and unfortunately, these kinds of things happen. The the, the clubs have uh, an obligation, um, a, a, a really serious obligation, to protect not only the fans, but the players themselves. Um, they're being paid, and, and let's face it, their jobs are on the line. They're, they're being paid to be violent players of a violent sport. And someone like like Matt Nickerson, when he, when he went to Milton Keynes, you know, he's, he's obviously taken up a bit more of the role that he had in, in, in Fife before he came to Belfast. Um, and and to, to pay a guy to take on that additionally violent role in an already violent sport. I'm not making excuses for him. Neither would he after what happened in, in the cold light of day. But there is a minimum acceptable standard that these venues and these clubs have to enforce in order to make the, the environment uh, safe for everyone. Um, so there, there, it's it's much more than, than just black and white here. It's a lot of greys. Um, I think it's unfortunate. Um, I think it's something that, that happens in this sport. We've seen it in, in the EI time and time again. Um, just in the same way that the clubs are making strides in their game night production and their video presentation and their webcasts, uh, absolutely everything, the, the facilities have to be up to scratch. And if they're not, I'm sorry, you're holding the league back. And Simon, those Sheffield Steelers took their uh, first competitive loss against the new new guys of the Manchester Storm. And Paul Thompson has said they were tired. Oh, God love them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they play the same amount of games we have in the um in uh, the Cardiff Devils, everybody else and like you know what, he's always looking for excuses. They were three 0 up at one stage, wasn't excusing them. Um, you know, yes they lost Francilla, but again, you know, the one stage this season we were playing a uh, finished the game with three defensemen. So we still won that game by the way. But um look you come to expect that. We all know Paul Thomas is a great coach and uh, but it's it's born the trunks off me. Some of the excuses he comes out with, so um, I, I really couldn't care less. It was great to see him getting beat. And Joel, I don't know whether you've seen the Andreas Jampton hit yet. Unfortunately, not. Can't claim to have. Sorry. And well, Simon, you have, and uh, I would say that along the lines of what happened to Jampton in, in Belfast, taking the the suspension, Dops will certainly be looking at this with a with a quizzical eye. Here, hold on, David. Look, let's talk about the uh, Rose Hill hit first. The, you know, I didn't think it was that bad. I really didn't think it, that the hit looked that bad. You know, we watched it in slow-mo. I, I think he's very hard done by to get a five-plus um, game. And then I'm hearing tonight that he's got a five-game suspension. That's there's something not right there at all. Yes, he's a, a repeat offender, but, you know, that that's that's really, really steep in my opinion. What do you think? Look, the, the, the official I spoke to, who shall remain, remain nameless, is saying that principal point of contact might not have been the head, but the stick catches him. There's contact with the head with the stick. Why is he carrying a stick up there? 
would be, you know, from from an official. Hogarth's really, really close to the action there, and he's made a very, very quick decision. The arm's straight up. He's looking right at it. Unless his angle that he believes he's seeing that is slightly different from what the camera... I'm with you, Simon. I don't think principal point of contact's the head. And we had this with a bit with Sylvester last week where we said, you know, Sylvester's gone in with a stick. He's kind of head up about the shoulder. It's ridden up, got the guy in the head. Valdex has obviously gone down. Summer set the situation on, on Sunday night where the Steelers player's taking the bang to the head and, and he's gone down. For me, I could live, almost live with the five-plus game that he took. But five games is a very, very draconian, if you want to put it that way. Um, it's a very, very serious suspension for 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 that incident. I'm going to assume here that the the player is pretty badly hurt out of it. I, I don't know. What's Davy Phillips? He played on, did he not? I'm pretty sure he played on. Not sure. Not a lot of upstairs anyway. But anyway, no, he did. No, he did. He, he played on because he was on the there uh, when Yampton got his um, five minutes. Davey was playing on the shorthanded towards the end of the third period, so he definitely played on. Yeah, well, we're glad that we're glad that there's no, no certainly no injury on the play there for Davey. He's obviously one of our own from a few years back. But look, you you, you spoke the, about Yampton there. Yampton's obviously also Dops have uh, looked at that assessment from him and, and give him a two game ban. So he had a few checking from the head uh, misdemeanors when he was out in the KHL there as well. Simon obviously a suspension the other week for for trying to kill David Rutherford and. Uh, you know, for me, I think it was a suspension worthy head. He's backed into him. It's, I think it's poor technique. It's principal point of contact for the head. For me, it's a, it's, you know, you're going to argue with me here because you didn't think Rose Hills was a suspension and you're, I, th- I think you're still pretty on the fence on the Yampton one. I am definitely on the fence. It's not often I sit there because it's not strong enough. But the, um, you know, I, I don't think it's that bad. Again, two game suspension. Um, I thought he was, he's, he's pretty hard done by. And again, you know, we've no love for the Sheffield Steelers like, but, um, I think, you know, for the Steelers to miss uh, Yampton on Wednesday night and then obviously the weekend, that I, I think he is pretty hard done by. But um, two decisions that have been made by Dops, and I honestly cannot understand why the hit from Pope on Colin Shields does not create a suspension. That that's For those two hits, in my opinion, the way Pope went in, the hit Colin Shales was premeditated and he knew exactly what he was aiming for with that elbow. Do you know what so, I'm going to do, Simon? I don't know whether I've got the skills, but I'm going to try and do it. I shot of the hit on Shades and the hit from Rosehill. And one gets a two-minute penalty and one gets a five-match ban. And there's not that much difference between them. Is there anything to be said there for the curse of the surname? You know, you know the repeat offender thing that people bring up. It shouldn't obviously be a factor in, in the fact that um, Dops will judge based on the incident itself. But um, it's hard to, uh, easy to be cynical. I mean, sorry, but it happens again and again with these guys who are known for it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a factor. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, I, I think it is a factor. You know, I think there's uh, players that come into uh, games with. Um, and I have to be careful what I say here now with the social media policy, but I think that there's there's the potential of, of referees to carry things over in the other games. That, that that's what it looks like to me. Um, I'm not saying all referees. I'm not saying what sport, but some sports there's a chance of of maybe a referee thinking right. Okay, well you know what he was he did that in that game, um, and he deserves to get that penalty. In my opinion, Rose Hill. Should shouldn't be taking a two and a half week holiday at this time of the year. Um, you know, five games for that, and ultimately six games because 
you know, I think it only happened with four minutes into the, uh, into the first period. So ultimately, six games for that hit is, for me, steep. Does this, you know, say something about players have one eye on tops when it comes to summary justice as well? You look at that hit on Colin Shields. That hit on Colin Shields happens in 2010, and there's probably a bloodbath. You know, you look at uh, last season, big iron on the ice, Jim Vandermeer lays a perfectly clean, open ice hit. Big iron makes him answer the bell straight away. And Vandy was okay with that. He says, I come from an ear, I come from that old school. Somebody wants to, you know, throw them down. I'm your man, no problem. But, you know, there was no retribution at all for that, maybe because it's so early in the game and it's such a magnitude of the game. But, you know, the game is changing. Are you are you talking about the Rosehill hit? No, I'm talking about the hit in Colin Shields that there was nobody nobody threw them down for 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 a teammate that was was clearly hit very very hard from behind. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking well, about. You, this this is an Adam Keith team. If Adam Keith had been on the ice, what would have happened there? Yeah, chaos. Well, yes, but then you've got to look at it from the other side, David. And I'm the, again, if it'd been me, I'd have dropped the gloves. Yeah, wouldn't I? I'd have dropped the gloves at the red line. I'm an Adam, 100%. But the way that we have been trying to control our discipline, you have to take that into consideration as well. Um, you know, yes, uh, you know, Adam's... If you, if you look at the players as well, the puck, you know, Shed's turned into the boards. Your man came in with the elbow and had him flush in the head. Um, but I remember looking at it going, there's not that many guys actually watched and seen, this, seen it happening, if you know what I mean. Um, and obviously the referee didn't see it happen because he only got a two on a bloody penalty. But the uh, I think, yes, if it had been me, I'd have definitely dropped the gloves. I wouldn't have hesitated. Um, but that's, again, it's, the game definitely is changing. David, you want to try and get a power play chance, which we did. Our, short, our, sorry, our uh, special teams on Friday night weren't great, let's be honest. Um, you know, they, they were better on Saturday, but they... You know, they suffered on, on Friday night and uh, um, it was disappointing, you know, for for not to see somebody step in and, and maybe, you know, drop the gloves with uh, Pope. And, but again, you're you're then getting an instigator, you're getting 10 minutes on top of that and you're getting a five for fighting. So, um, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Right, well then, if that's enough looking around the league, this is a Belfast Giants podcast. <laughs> we've... Uh, We've kind of in the in the opening of the show we've 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 talked about the the game last week in Nottingham and the extent we've already sort of previewed tomorrow night's game. But so let's look on the five and before five come in the Belfast Giants, we were lucky enough to talk to Todd Dudium, coach. Um, targets, I suppose, were set at the start of the season. Where you set at the minute in fourth and league, top of the conference. Are you exceeding expectations? Or are you you sitting sort of right where you expected to be? Well, I mean, it's very very hard to predict in a league with uh, the dynamic we have, especially with two expansion uh, or teams coming into the league. I mean, our I was asked to predict about Kofi's success, and, and my answer kind of has always been the same throughout the whole season was just come focus on the process and, and, and play good hockey every weekend. Um, for the most part, that's happened. We've had a few bumps along the road, but yet one must remember that this is a uh, extremely competitive league with a lot of good teams in it and um, I, I think you've seen most teams struggle at some point in this season some uh, for other longer than others um, we've had a blip here though maybe the last um, four weeks or so where we probably haven't been as sharp I think that culminated 
uh, with the uh, started rather with the um, heavy loss to you guys in the challenge top quarters. Um, up until then, we've been riding high, and uh, you learn a lot about a team when you, you go through adversity. Um, I think we've settled that ship, and hopefully, we come in on Friday. Uh, you guys see the best of us. You have. Schedule-wise, a pretty difficult end of the season with maybe 16, 18 games or something left. Is just a pure quantity of hockey you've got to play, especially through the month of March. Is that something that you've got the roster, the size to deal with, or is that something that's going to be a real challenge? Well, I I voiced my displeasure with uh, the schedule right from the start when I saw it. I mean, our Christmas period and March were ridiculous. Um and, and I think you've highlighted uh, something that I've certainly been keeping my eye on. That's one of the reasons why I fought to bring in another import, another bot, uh, in the form of Brady Ramsey. Um, unfortunately, um, go home for personal reasons, and, and that's left us, um, you know, right back to where we started from. There's still time. It's late. Um, a few other teams have made moves. Um, but I think it would be great for us to um, to get in certainly at least another body um, to help us through that period, not only to cover for injury relief, but just like you mentioned, that's a lot of games in a month. Um, and, you know, I ask a lot out of my guys. I do. All my guys play in all situations, and um, um, it would be a tough ask. But I know the guys are optimistic. They're young. They bounce back quick. Um, but there's always that danger of injury and fatigue. Without asking you to make more predictions about what's going to happen, you know, do you have to sort of reassess your your ambitions on the fly? If you like, you know, at this stage, is it is the championship within touch? Is it about winning the conference? Is it about being the kingmaker? Is it about you know just getting into the playoffs? Or, or what are the targets between now? I suppose you set maybe shorter term targets. What are the targets between now and say the end of February? Yeah, well, especially with today's announcement about um, the changes in seating. Yeah, let's. So, so, sorry, that, sorry to jump across you there. Let's let's just discuss that. As that came out today, is that something that came as a bit of a surprise? You know, is that does that devalue the conference system? Should it should it not be a case of you win your conference, you're seated either one, two, three for the playoffs? Well, I think they probably had. Uh, it right by saying that they were going to give the highest ranked team that was in the conference the second seed. Now that may have turned out to be the Belfast Giants, turned out somebody from our conference or the other other conference down south. But you know, when you talk about making personal motivation for clubs and and the fan bases knowing the rules going in, and that's the second time now that we've had a mid mid-season rule change. You know, I, I don't decision. I obviously live with the decision. So um, I, I think you're right. I think it does certainly um, devalue a, a conference win on the on the fact that you know that, that was always a big motivation to get a better seating um, and, and and meet a close rival. In the quarterfinals, I mean, it was uh, it was uh, 
an equation that's worked out well for for the league in the past. But I think that there's there's a probably a big um, base of people that want to see um, big market clubs be there, and that's fine. I get that, but let's discuss these things a season ahead of time, midsummer. Make your decisions and live with them for the year. That aside, obviously you, you've touched on that the last sort of meetings between the clubs and the Challenge Cup there didn't go your way. You come into Belfast this Friday night. It's a fresh sheet of ice. It's a fresh sheet of paper. Time to time to not so much look for revenge, but look to put a better foot forward for yourselves. Absolutely, and make make no bones about it. Belfast, one of the toughest buildings to come into in the league. Um, it's a long day of travel for us, although flying over for the quarterfinals didn't do us any favors either. So you, you can't really make that travel excuse. But, you know, Adam has put together a fantastic club. They're playing well. They're near enough to the top of their game right now. So, you know, we're coming in and playing, um, you know, teams that are above us in this standings rather sorry and if we have any aspirations of, of hanging on to their their coattails right now and, and closing a gap it's a game that you have to come in and win um although i'm very well aware of our record against belfast this year these guys have incredible depth um incredibly uh well skating team that you know have punished us in the past now that being said i have a group of young guys who skate well and when they're on, um, I, I really feel we compete with any team in the league. Um, but it's going to be we have to be at our best on on Friday night, and I make no bones about that. And we have to be prepared to battle because uh, you know the Belfast Giants certainly aren't going to hand us anything at this point in the season. It would be easy when looking at the five flyer success this season just to go to your stats page and, and look at Liam Hayless and Finucci, LeBlanc, blood off the names that are household names in the AIHL now but I want to go to the other end of the ice to ask you just about your goaltending and Andy Isles how did you sell Andy Isles he's, an, he's turned out to be an incredible goalie league wide not just in, in the Scottish Conference you know he's 91.48 percentage he's that's a very measly 2.59 goals against and these are these are great great stats this kid's coming up with they are and unfortunately from a coaching perspective I feel that we could have those numbers better for them a lot of the times in many of the games where the score has been maybe a little inflated against us. Um, I have a hard time placing blame on, on our goaltender. Uh, you, you know, we've had a few off nights in front of him. Um, but, you know, Andy's name came up in the summer, and, um, you, you know, I had a discussion with a former goaltender like uh, Kevin Regan, and, you, you know, he... He told me about the kid. He had trained with the kid. He knew from personal experience about the league what it takes to be successful over here. And, I mean, obviously we did our own homework and our own research, but that nod in that direction was certainly um, a, a big factor in, in the decision-making and, um, and a fortunate one at that. Just for... To close the interview out, Coach, obviously you've said long travel day, then you go in and you've got another game this weekend coming up. Is that is that a big factor that you'll have that long travel before you go on to your second game? 
Um, it could be if you make that. We're not we're not too big in making excuses up here. Um, you just got to get you got to get back, get rested, and get on with it. Some teams have more fortuitous travel times at, at parts of the year. Other times, you, you know, everybody I'm sure feels the grind. Um, it looks like, you know, mid-March or mid-February and March will be our tough part of the schedule. I'd like to say that um, we'll come out of it um, smiling because, you know, we really believe in this group. I've had so much fun working with this group probably – as a whole, I mean, winning obviously um, makes things a lot easier, but they're just good people and they're fun to work with, and um, they're excited to play hockey. So we get through this stage healthy. You know, hopefully we can have a great uh, great finish, great six weeks to the end of the season. I'm just having a very, very quick look at your schedule here, coaching three and three nights, two weekends in a row here. You know, it's six games and eight or nine nights. That's gonna, that's gonna, this is almost a make or break. Two, two weekends of your season well yeah and I mean there's some there's some big conference games intermingled in that as well um, and you know what we're, we're paring down the guy's schedule accordingly um, you, you know we've done a lot of strength and conditioning off ice with the guys this year that has paid we've done a lot of rest and recovery early in the week um, we've really paired that down so hopefully the guys will use their downtime as a way to really rest their bodies up for, like you said, three games and three nights. And if you think that's busy the next two weeks, well, you know, you certainly touched on our schedule in March. It's going to be not a lot of practicing and a half of a lot of games. Well, Coach, we, as always on a view from the bridge, we thank you for your time and your calendar, and uh, we wish you a safe trip to Belfast at the weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you there. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for having me. And thanks to the, the Five Flyers head coach for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. They're always good to chat. We'll talk to him again, hopefully, after the game on, on Friday night. But obviously, Fife come in here. We talked to him, Joel, about the opportunities Fife have to either be champions, to be conference champions, to be playoff contenders, or to be kingmakers. And that's the thing this year. Um, I think we have all maybe been guilty at times of fixating our eyes upwards um, at the devils and at the at the makeup that we have to, to do to in order to get there. Um, there are teams that you would not expect just biting at our ankles right now. Um, and to go into any of the following kind of, even uh, the, the next six games, to go into any of these against the Flyers, the Storm, um, whoever it might be, uh, with, with complacency and with an idea that we're just going to take it and tack on points and keep chasing Cardiff, um, that could be our undoing. Um, it's absolutely vital that we treat these guys with the same reverence and respect that we would uh, league leaders that are seven points clear of us. And and Simon Fife have obviously they've hung around maybe a little more than, than some people were expecting, but you know, they've six games in the next eight days from Friday, you know, it's gonna be a and, and obviously March is absolutely chocolate for them. They've got something like twenty games left this season. Is there just too many games crammed in that schedule for them to compete? Nobody else complain about themselves. You know, they, they cancelled the game against us at the start of the season so they could bring a friendly in. You know, bring your guys in a week earlier, they'll tighten them up. So hopefully, you know, they, they don't go out and, and get all those points because if they do, the, the Giants are in a lot of trouble. But, um, you know, we have a big game against them on Friday night. Um, you know, I expect that, as I say, Wednesday night comes first, and Adam will only be concentrating on the Nottingham Panthers. But, uh, you know, we're, we've got a team capable of beating the five flyers and 
and uh, hopefully that is the case. The Five Flyers obviously came a couple of weeks ago and challenged cup action there. They flew in that time rather than taking the, their common on the coach in the boat this time. Bit of a longer travel day for them, but you know the, Jet, the Belfast Giants put them under the pump that night. Yeah, we're talking a lesson that night in furnace, you know, um, seven there wasn't. Yep. Um, you know, we, we absolutely spanked them and they pulled their goalie to give him a bit of a rest because he was getting a torrid time. But, uh, you know, you know what, if we can come out and do that again. But on top it up, Jackson was brilliant that night. You know, they had, a, they had a couple of chances in the first period to get back into it. Didn't take them. Uh, well, Jackson didn't let them take them. But, he, um, you know, again, that was probably, that was one of our better performances. Everything we, we sort of went, every time we went up, up, up the ice, we just looked as if we were going to score. So great, great performance. Hopefully another one uh, Wednesday night and then Friday night. And then obviously Sunday afternoon. We don't get them that often, but at a 4pm, a matinee performance on Sunday afternoon against the Manchester Storm. Never a club to be taken lightly, and as we've just discussed, you know, going into Sheffield and, and scoring seven goals, they're going to have to be looked after. Joel? I uh, I can't figure them out. Uh, I, this this season, uh, I just I can't get the read on it. Um, there, there's obviously the argument about schedule and, and the conferences and how that may uh, tilt the ice in certain clubs' favour, um, but you only need to look as far as the leading point scorer and goal scorer in the league in Mike Hammond um, a signing that probably nobody really was expecting gigantic things from um, but they're a club who are just quietly ticking away and doing their thing um, and those are the banana skins um, it's sometimes not those big marquee Saturday night games when everybody's gunning for it it's a sluggish start on a Sunday afternoon against the team who come in game for you um, and are growing in confidence regardless of, of, uh, of, of what the, the schedule says I mean you can only play the teams that are in front of you um, and Manchester have been grinding out wins so um, I, I wish I could be as, as optimistic and, and calm as says is over there, but um, I, I just I think these are the games that when you look back at the end of the season that you can unravel on. Um, so I will remain as nervous as I was this past weekend. And Simon, you know they're another team along the mould of Fife that we mightn't have been expecting to still be in the mix come you know the, the first second week in February. They're going to have to be taken very very seriously. They, they absolutely are. I, mean, I think they're up the third in the league. Um, you know, and they've done that. Um, you know, with probably being under the radar to a certain extent, but I'm pretty sure they're up the third in the league. So it'll be a tough game. But look, we have a very, very good team, and we are capable of beating the Manchester Storm. We're capable of beating every other team in this league. But you know, it's it's not going to be easy. You've got to turn up. You guys have got to come out and and have the right man, right man, right mindset. Um, you know, they've got to focus and. On, on each shift they get out there do your very best and if we can do that then pretty confident picking the points up against them um, they are sitting, sitting third at the minute on, on 41 games played the same as, as us um, but yeah. three points behind um, the other thing to point out is that Fife are sitting five games behind us on 50 points um, so they wouldn't be long if they go on a run and, and making that up it's it's a lot tighter beneath Cardiff than, than what a lot of people maybe would be thinking at the minute you're absolutely right Joel but again it all comes down to the conference systems I mean and all, I mean, look at Fife's record against um, the teams in our conference. I mean, they beat uh, the Sheffield, they beat Cardiff and beat Nottingham. Yeah. Um, you know, they beat Manchester. I think they beat everybody apart from us. They haven't beat us this season, which is great. Um, you know, and long may it continue. But, the, uh, you know, they are capable of putting a, a, um, a good team there. Sorry, a good result together. And, and the, the, their goaltender is very, very strong. I like him. And, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But again, Joel, you know, we we we've got a really really good team this year, um, and I I do think that if again if the guys turn up and they come out to play and and, and 
take 20 minutes at a time, then we've got to beat them. And that's it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sitting here as, as the eternal pessimist. I have a great feeling about this team this year. Um, I'm not an overly superstitious person um, until it comes to hockey, so I'm not going to say anything much further than that. But um, I have a great feeling about this team that I that I haven't felt in a in a while, and, and I and I hope it carries on. Um, I just think that the the league in general is incredibly competitive in the top half. Um, it's it's transformed um, just even in, in might. I'm uh, watching, you know, you used to come into our barn sometimes, say in 2010, 11 on game nights, and it was dead before it even started. You knew you were going to run the score up and you could nearly have saved your money. Um, no, no game is, is, is a banker anymore. Um, and I guess that's more of a point. Just uh, it's, it's so competitive and so tight that you really cannot take your foot off. It's that time of the week. TFA, and this week we are very fortunate to be joined by one of the famous whistle dynasty, son of Father Dave. It's Jackson Whistle and Jackson, welcome to View from the Bridge. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Jackson, second season now with the club. Um, last season, obviously, shared the duties more or less with, with Murph until you went down late in the season with that niggling injury and came back this season. It's kind of rules reversed. Unfortunately, Murph's gone down long term and you've had to take an awful lot, perhaps more load than you were hoping for this season. But, you know, as the season's gone on and as the, the injuries are well, maybe not healing, but getting better and you're able to manage better. Some of your numbers you're putting up are absolutely fantastic. No, oh, yeah, thank you. I know, um, I guess kind of coming into the season, I wasn't really expecting to play um, as much as I did. I still wasn't sure. Uh, I was in quite a lot of pain uh, in the past summer, um, so I wasn't sure how much I was actually going to be able to play at all. Um, and then came into this year, uh, same sort of thing. And I thought, uh, you know, every day it just started to keep getting better. Uh, every practice started to get into practice all the time. And then when Murph went down, um, I was feeling okay, felt fine. And now I feel like my game's just improved every time uh, I've gone back to that. You know, it would be fair to say, we we used to see you walking out of the locker room like like Alex Foster almost. And, and now you're not, exactly, you're not exactly skipping out of the locker room, but, you know, the rehab must really be helping. You seem to be feeling a whole lot better. Yeah, no, I definitely, I'm not, uh, I don't think I would say I'm 100% yet, but I'm definitely, uh, I feel 10 times better than last year, and that's really exciting for me. And I know I still have some improvement to make as far as uh, my health goes, so I'm really looking forward to that. But, no, it definitely is. It's way better than last year, and I still feel pretty good coming out after the game. An awful lot of hard work goes on for yourself just through on the foam roller, on the baseball, straight after the game, you know, work with the physios, just trying to rest probably as much as you can. Is it, uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's all-consuming just preparing for the next game when it comes so fast. Yeah, definitely. Especially recently, uh, playing a lot of games, especially when we're playing, you know, three games in a week. Um, you know, there's a lot that kind of goes into it pretty much every single day. Uh, you're thinking about rehabbing what you're going to do, uh, going to the gym, uh, going to the physio, doing an ice bath. So a lot of your day is spent around kind of just, uh, maintaining it and kind of, uh, getting it moving and making it, uh, mobile for the next game. Jackson, you, the season so far, you know, we're, we're sitting in a pretty good place. Obviously, there's, there's an upcoming second leg of the semi-final of the Challenge Cup in a couple of days' time. We're sitting second in the league. You obviously seen from the weekend, there's, there's not a hell of a big difference between the Cardiff Devils and ourselves. How do you feel the season's going for the Giants so far? Um, I think it's been going really well. I think, uh, you know, we're really coming together as a team here, especially uh, down this final stretch. I think that's what we need. I think we have a lot of uh, good players on our team and guys that want to win and want to be here. Uh, and it's exciting to be a part of. Uh, Kiefer's doing an awesome job of being the coach. 
uh, and everything's just kind of meshing together really well. Um, you know, in regards to this past weekend, I think you see that we're a top team. Um, and, you know, their top, Carter Devils are a top team as well, too, but I definitely think that we can beat them. Uh, I know we played them a few times still in the rest of the year. And uh, how the table's sitting right now, I think we just have to worry about ourselves and make sure we put ourselves in a good position. You talk about going down the stretch here, uh, and obviously there's a hell of a lot of those games on that stretch period that are going to be at home. Do you think that's going to be a big advantage for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely is a little bit. I think we knew that kind of going into the year, looking at the schedule, um, you know, looking at all the road games we had there, especially in November. And we kind of said to ourselves, you know what, if we can be in the mix, um, you know, come Christmas time, we have a huge homestand. And obviously we like playing at home. It's awesome playing at home in front of the fans. So, you know, we put ourselves in a really good chance to uh, to win the league. Jackson, let's look away from, from Belfast for, for a moment here. Obviously last weekend you battled against Ben Bounds. You're going to be battling potentially with him for the, the red, white and blue jersey for the GB shirt. Is that something that you'll just worry about towards the end of the season or is that something that's on your mind as you, as you go along? Um, I mean, I don't really worry about it too much right now. Um, you know, there's nothing I can really do um, about it right now, I guess. I have thought about it, though. I know last year um, I really wanted to be, you know, playing in that one, especially when it was in Belfast, and I didn't get the chance to just because of my injuries. And so, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to the tournament this year. Um, but I'll kind of think about that more or less after our season um, and kind of see what happens. Jackson, obviously it's a, it's a season since since we, we discussed this stat, but obviously your dad and the, the whistle, you know, the whistle name in Belfast, well, it's fantastic. It lives again, if you like. You know, your dad was in charge of the first game. You were between the pipes of the thousandth game. You know, how's, how's things going with dad back home? Uh, good. He's doing well. Um, him and my mom are doing great. He's uh, coaching back home at a hockey academy. My mom's... Uh, teaching at the local high school uh, and I know they're both really excited about me playing over here I know uh, they, they still talk about it all the time over here they talk to their friends about it all the time they love it over here um, they love the people over here and I know they're looking forward to coming over again this year uh, to hopefully see us play Jackson just before says comes in with another question there gonna gonna just a few questions that have came in on the Twitter from some of the fans here and there's one from Johnny Baxter um, the fans chanting your name is becoming a routine after every incredible save you put off. How much research goes into other players before a game? Do you just think about the moves they might make, or do you just stick to your own game and, and you know, play on the fly, kind of speak? Um, as far as regards to other players, I kind of just uh, stick to my own game. I won't really look at maybe players individually, but I will look at the other team as far as things like their power play or uh, tendencies they have, things like Cardiff, how they work the puck behind the net and try to move it into the slaughter across the scene. So I will know those things kind of going in. Um, so that is something that I do take a look at, yeah. Jackson, one of the questions that are coming in, just a sort of thing on top of that, when you hear your name being shouted at and, and, and uh, chanted for from Boomerang Corner, uh, do you ever just sit in your net and sing along to it as well? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I sing a little bit. I, I love it, though. I love when the fans are chanting. Uh, I try to kind of, I guess, as a goalie, you're kind of trying not to show too much emotion. Um, I kind of let them know at the end of the game how much I appreciate it. Um, but, no, I really like them chanting. And I know uh, myself, even when they chant for Spiro as well, too, uh, the songs they have and things like that, the guys love it. Jackson, uh, are we questioning here from Susan Tini? Um Which NHL team do you follow? Um, oh, uh, good question. I think um, – 
recently I've kind of been following, I've actually really been following uh, Vegas, um, the Las Vegas Knights, and then I've also uh, always followed Pittsburgh and the Edmonton Oilers. Do you, this is, again, this is this is fans' question. This isn't something that we're coming at you with because Davies here and my are is a wee bit shorter than yours at the minute. But <laughs> there's um, there's somebody, Matty Hogarth wants to know, is there a special conditioner that you use for your uh, for your hair? Um, I do not, no. It's all natural. <laughs> <laughs> um, here we go. Oh, I didn't think you were going to ask that one, Sam. Um <laughs> Derek Walser or Spiro Galakos, who would you rather face a shot from? Uh, as in how hard it is? Who's, or got accurate? The, who's, who's got the hardest shot? Uh, I would say Walser probably has the hardest shot. Spiro's would definitely be more accurate. Out of all the saves you've made this year, is there one that sticks out for you? Um, there's two, I guess, right now I can think of. I can think of the paddle save against Cardiff. Um, on the back door, and there was also a, another save. Um, I want to say it was against Fife, um, right off a of face-off. That was a paddle save, kind of a backdoor slide save as well, too. And Jackson, we've got one here from CTP Hockey chasing the puck. A small child, let's say four or five year old, comes up to you after a game and says, "I want to be just like you when I grow up." What would you say to them? Um, I'd be. I'm not sure. I'd be pretty humbled if someone said that uh, to me. That'd mean a lot. But I think um, I'd probably say if he's talking about hockey, just kind of stick to it um, and have fun. I think those are kind of the most important things. Uh, you know, when you're playing hockey, you don't really um, – you're just dreaming about, you know, maybe playing in the NHL or playing at a top league uh, for kids that grew up here in the U.K. And I think just having fun and uh, enjoying the game is going to help a lot. Jackson, just one of those things you touched on yourself there – Obviously, you spent uh, two or three years in Belfast, and you, before that, you were Bracknell uh, as a child. And and you know, do you feel that that maybe? Uh, uh, yes, you were on the ice, but you wouldn't be getting anywhere near as much ice time as what you would have when you were back in North America. But do you think that hindered your chances? Um, you know, to, to push on your uh, career as a as a hockey player. Or do you think it helped? Um, I don't think it. I definitely don't think it hindered it at all. I think. Um it was, it was a little tough to tell just because I left at a young enough age where it hadn't really gone too competitive yet. I was only about nine or 10 when I stopped playing, um, in the UK, but you see, uh, you know, really good hockey players coming out of the UK, uh, the young kid there in Sheffield, uh, obviously you see guys like Colin Shields, Stephen Murphy have been around for a long time. So I think, I don't think it hinders, um, your chances at all. I think, um, it's fine to be playing in the UK and grow up playing here. I think if you're a kid that wants to maybe get over to North America, at some point you would have to make that decision, um, you know, at a certain age to maybe go over there, whether it be, you know, 18, 19, 20, to kind of see and play junior over there or try and play um, NCAA. And then, you know, hopefully maybe get a contract in North America or come back in the UK, play over here and try and move on from here as well. Jackson, another question in here, and uh, it goes a long way of, your phone goes, it's the summer, two summers ago, Steve Thornton, or it's, it's Derek Walson, and we don't know who made the contact with you. How hard a decision was it to come to Belfast? How long did it take you to decide? Um, to be honest, it didn't take me too long. I um, At the time, I had been, I'd actually committed to going to University of Alberta, which is probably the top um, Canadian school to go to. Uh, after getting my you know hips done, I didn't really have any options as far as professionally 
um, in North America. Nobody was willing to take a chance on me. And then when Thor's called, um, it was something that obviously I knew about the Giants going up here. Um, my dad had, you know, talked to me about it. We kind of sat and talked about it and came up with a plan. And the plan was to come over here, and I, uh, I've loved it ever since. Caitlin Hunter has wrote in to us, ask him, do you have any game night rituals, routines, superstitions, whatever way you, you look at it, uh, for a game day on, on the day you play? Um, I don't have too many routines, I guess, or superstitions. Um, I do try and uh, <laughs> do some routines maybe right before the game that kind of help me um, get in sync. I'll do a lot of visualization, um, you know, picturing myself in certain plays or making certain saves, and then just lots. And now it's kind of turned into a whole routine, I guess, on warm-up stuff, uh, trying to get activated and get mobile uh, before I get onto the ice. Jackson, obviously this weekend – um, we, well, not even this weekend. We play Wednesday, we play Friday, we play Sunday again. All big games again. Nottingham in the second leg of the of this of the Challenge Cup semi final. We've got Fife here flying high, and then with Manchester who take a, a huge scalp in Sheffield again. No easy game in this league. There's a lot of a lot of rest and a lot of preparation to happen over the next four or five days. Yeah, definitely. I even actually I was taking a look ahead and saw that we we played Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and then we play another three games the following week. And I think. Um, the biggest thing, especially coming down to the wire here, is just taking it day by day. Even, you know, non-game days, kind of doing what, you know, you can do best for your body. And then when it gets into that game, just go out there and play and keep doing that. And we have to perform, uh, be ready to play and, you know, play our best and play our game coming up here in all these games to give ourselves a chance to win. So obviously, Chris Truel has came in through the through the course of the season. And unfortunately for him, just the way things are with the import rule here, he hasn't played too much um, game. He hasn't had too much game time. But it must be a relief to have someone like him that can take the just a little bit of the weight off on practice days and having like a Dicko as well to back his all up. Yeah, definitely. We have Truzy, we have uh, Andrew Dixon, and uh, Juhas. They are, uh, you know, they always come out and practice. So it definitely helps a lot. I know he hasn't been able to get into as many games, I think, as he likes, but he does an awesome job with the team, working hard, staying on before, staying after, along with Dicko, too. They do all the little things right uh, that our team needs and kind of do stuff away from the scenes that you don't always see. Um, I know he's looking to try and get in more, so we'll kind of see what happens uh, going on, but it is nice to always have someone there uh, in case things don't go well. Probably just something that maybe people don't see, and you can add to it as well. You've sort of alluded to, to Chris there. You know, even the likes of... When he goes on the road to, to back you up, and, and even when Dick goes backing up, Chris is there, and he, during period breaks, he's doing water balls, he's folding tiles, he's just a great teammate to have around. Yeah, definitely. He's helping guys with their bags, you know, he's talking to guys, letting them know what's going on out there. And same with Dicko too. They both, honestly, they, they put in so much work that people don't see, and I don't think they really get the credit um, they deserve with the work they put in. So, um, no, they definitely do a phenomenal job. Well, Jackson, we've kept enough of your rest time that you should have your feet up hopefully tonight and uh, we'll let you go with that and we appreciate your time again. Awesome, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks again to Jackson for joining us. Thanks to everyone for their TFA questions. Simon, that was a lot of fun. It actually was. You know, probably could have kept on going on there with him, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, just, he's just a top lad. You know, he's so laid back. There was a lot of questions that didn't get answered, but, you know, it's uh, we try to keep this show down to about a minute. Let's try a minute and a half, uh, an hour and a half. But uh, I think it might go a bit over that tonight. But um, he's just a good lad and he's playing fantastically well. So it's uh, you know you you asked him the question regarding Chris Trill, Davy, and and you know I, I spoke to Chris on Saturday night. He was doing the comms with me for the Devils game, and and I'd said to him, you know, even you know it's disappointing that you're not getting as much ice time as you'd like. I says, but 
it's your first year as pro. You know, you also have to look at the consideration of Jackson's playing fantastic Royale. And he says, you're 100% right. You know, he says, even if I was, you know, uh, I wasn't an import and I was here to play at the same level that um, that I, I feel I can play, you know, it's going to be difficult to shake Jackson out of that net because he is playing so well. So when you've got a fellow uh, goaltender saying that about you, um, and uh, again, your your coaches saying positive things about him as well, and he's backing that up by playing so well, you know, the log, as I say, the wee man, I just hope he continues at the end of the season. And, and Joel, he's, he's carrying a lot more of the load than he would have been expecting to. Obviously, with Stephen Murphy going down with that long-term injury and, and Chris Trill obviously being an important, just doesn't work out with the, the numbers. And uh, he's been quite exceptional. Uh, really, the, the story of the season for me, to be honest. Um, it's, it's been fantastic to, to watch what I think we all saw um, the potential of last season sort of come to fruition this year. Um, and, and to be honest, I think it's got better and better just as he's got comfortable with starting games. Um, it's, it's not easy to come back from, from that kind of injury. Um, it's, it's a major injury. And I think to a certain extent, um, it's easy to be an armchair coach, but I think he was possibly rushed back and wasn't fully ready last year. Um, even his physical shape has just transformed even from the, from the West I knew last season. Um, it's, it's fantastic to watch. And, and I just keep, I hope we can keep going. And uh, we've made it to the end, guys. Um, any other business? Joel, Neil? Absolutely none. Uh, heads down, uh, we can still do this. There's, there's silverware up for grabs. And uh, I'm looking forward to an absolute roller coaster of a run in. And Simon, anything else to add this evening? I don't think so, David. It's, uh, it's been a good show. Great to have Joel on. Thanks for your time, Joel. That's an absolute uh, pleasure as always, boys. I'll hopefully catch up with you in the barn soon. David, I hear you're over quite soon. So fingers crossed to catch you. Davey's just going now to pack his bag. I've got to be up at half five in the morning. It's my dad's birthday. I know he doesn't listen to this, but if he ever does, happy 70th, dad. Love you loads. You're my hero. But um, Amen. thanks to Simon Kitchen. Thank you very much, David McJimsey. Thanks to Joel and Neil. It's been great having you on. Pleasure, boys. Talk to you again soon. Thanks to Adam Keith. Thanks to Jackson Whistle and the Five Flyers Todd Dudium. It's going to be another busy few days for the Belfast Giants. If you can't get down to the SSE the game, you can catch all the action on Belfast Giants TV. Get all the reaction right here on ABF TV on our Twitter. But as always, we hope you enjoy your hockey this week and we'll catch you next time on A View From The Bridge. Podcast Network.